This is episode 62 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is a two-time author and founder of Cloud9 Living, Jordan Gross. Let's get it started. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. You know, where we're just continuing to talk to these entrepreneurs, these founders, these individuals that are just trying to get it done, trying to be fulfilled in life, um, and trying to do it kind of in their own way. I'm a little different than that, you know, society norm and, you know, kind of box that we're put in, um, if you will. And uh, have another one of these guests today. You know, I got um, introduced to Jordan Gross. Um, who's our guest for today through Rich Keller, former guest that was on a couple episodes ago. Um, And certainly as an aside, if you guys didn't listen to Rich's um, podcast interview, I absolutely recommend to uh, listen to that one. Some really rich insight and advice and just a really unique journey that he's been on. Um, It would definitely be worth your time to listen through that. Um, but he introduced me to Jordan Gross and, you know, I always appreciate the referrals into, you know, future guests. And, um, that's kind of how this situation happened where Rich said, Hey, you got to reach out to Jordan. He's doing some really cool things. I mean, I think he'd be a great guest and, and Jordan certainly didn't disappoint. You know, he's a two-time author, um, wrote up some books on some things that he noticed, some observations he had, some things that, um, you know, he's experienced himself and, you know, turned that into a couple books that he's published and now he's doing this Cloud9 Living, uh, among a, a variety of things that he's also doing with other books and stuff that we get into on the podcast. But, you know, go check out Journey to Cloud9, all spelled out, um, dot com. Um, he's doing some neat things with this Cloud9 Living and, and really, you know, talking about mindset and how people kind of shift their focus um, to live a more positive and fulfilling life. So, similar things that this podcast is all about. Um, and I certainly appreciate him being on and, and sharing his story. So, Go check him out, out online. I'll put all the links in the show, show notes as uh, as always. But um, let's jump into the episode today. So without further ado, my chat today with Jordan Gross. Let's get it started. Hey, Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. What's up, Brian? So happy to be here. I know uh, Rich Keller put us in touch and very excited that he did. I'm pumped to be on the show today. So grateful to be here. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm excited to hear your your journey a little bit, kind of learn about your story and where you're going with some things. So yeah. Um, well, let's start out because one of the things I was, you know, doing some research online and looking at some mm. stuff. So being on podcasts is not, it's not uh, unnormal un- to you, I guess. <laughs> you, it seems like you're, so you're, tell me about, I want to start with that, the, the yeah. 90 days of 90 podcasts. Talk to me about that initiative and, and what's that all about? Yeah. So basically, a couple of months back, I was figuring out how to spread awareness for everything that I was doing. And one of the, the big influences in, in my world, I've not only been following him and his journey, but also I've had the chance to chat with him a bunch of times and consider him more of a friend and mentor at this point is Hal Elrod. And he wrote the book, The Miracle Morning. So what Hal Elrod did and what he says about coming out with the miracle morning and then getting it to where it is now with over 2 million copies sold in the last 10 years was he used the power of podcasts to spread the message about the miracle morning. So what I said was, I want to do that. You know, I love having conversations. I love talking to people. And if we can have conversations and more people can just hear us talk, then boom, like that's a beautiful thing. 
So with that, I said, okay, I'm going to do podcasts. And at the time, this was back in March, I was listening to Grant Cardone's 10X book on audiobook. And he said, okay, everything you do, you should 10X it. So the last piece of the puzzle was that I am a very thematic and symbolic person. So I was thinking like my concept is called the journey to cloud nine. There's that number nine. I should 10x that. So I'll do 90 podcasts. And how long is this going to take? It's going to take me 90 days, right? I want to be ambitious, set that lofty goal and expectation for myself. So I said in March, I'm going to do 90 podcasts in 90 days. And then uh, in April, I, I did some scheduling work for those podcasts. And now here we are uh, chatting in July. I've done 67, I think. Um, and I've got some more to go. So this is, uh, this is an exciting time for me as I'm wrapping up this podcast tour, but also like not going to stop. Like I'm going to get my extra reps in, keep going and continue probably with another 90 when the book Journey to Cloud9 actually comes out in December, January. So what have you learned from that experience? Just doing all these podcasts, whether oh, it's maybe goodness. the scheduling side or maybe the actual yeah. interviews, what have you learned? Okay. So I'll give a couple different lessons because I think this could be really valuable for people who are obviously just getting started. And, and if there are any hesitations around how to get started and reach out to people, I think this could be super helpful. Um, the first, I mean, the first thing was to set an intention, right? So I needed to tell people why I was doing this. And the message that really resonated was, I want to show other people what it takes to get something started, to start a movement, to gain momentum, to spread an idea, right? I wanted to show the grit, the determination, resilience, the relentlessness that it takes to, to get people going behind your concept, right? So that's why I wanted to publicize it. That's why I wanted to do something that was difficult. Um, and that's why I wanted to reach out and chat with people on podcasts. So that was the first thing was being intentional about it and sharing that intention publicly. So that was super important to me. Um, in regard to outreach, the message there was this. Uh, and it's funny because it's like the opposite of the just get started mentality that I normally have. Um, in March, when I had this idea, if I would have been the person who I was a year ago, I would have said, okay, I had the idea. I'm starting tomorrow. You know, I'm going to get on my first podcast and that'll be interview number one. But what I'm trying to do this year is be a little bit more focused and a little bit more disciplined. And yes, like get started thinking about the idea, but be a little bit more deliberate in terms of scheduling out the idea, like you mentioned. So I took all of April to start reaching out to people. And then May through July, was the 90 days, is the 90 days that I'm doing the actual interviews and have to get those interviews within that time frame. So that was the second thing was actually coming from it with a little bit more of a cautious approach and a careful angle of, okay, let me at least give, me, give myself some time to schedule all these interviews. The last thing, actually the second to last thing, I want to say something that I've learned from actually doing the interviews as well. But the third thing I'll say is about outreach right? And reaching out to random people and uh, especially coming from a place where you want to get some value from them. Uh, here was my approach to actually getting these podcast bookings. First and foremost, I went on LinkedIn, I typed in podcast hosts and over 500,000 people came up. I filtered that down by first connections. I've got a pretty good following on LinkedIn and it was about 500 
people within my network who are podcast hosts. So people who have either commented on my content or people who I've messaged with, people who I connected with through different organizations, um, companies I work for, charities I work for. And I put those 500 names in an Excel sheet and I sort of filtered through for ones who first and foremost actually had a podcast and it didn't just say like podcasts on their profile. And then I also looked for ones who were aligned with what I was doing. So something mindset related, entrepreneurship based, um, about positivity or happiness, something like that. Once I, I zeroed in on those people, um, I did my research and I kept it really consistent. I did 10 people a day in April and uh, the format was this. I would research that person. I would look at their podcast. I would go through their LinkedIn page. I would try to see if we had any common interests, any common connections. And then that would be the first paragraph of my message, just saying how much I admired what they were doing. The second paragraph would be basically what I can do and how I resonate with their message. And the third paragraph, I, I'll be honest here, I copied and pasted and said, like, this is exactly what I'm doing. This is uh, why I'm doing it. Um, and that was the three paragraph approach I had to sending people LinkedIn messages and scheduling these interviews. Um, and I had a really high success rate with that. The last thing I wanted to say is the thing that I've learned the most, actually, or the greatest takeaway that I've had is what I've done after the podcast interview for each host. My favorite thing that I've done is after each interview, I write a review on iTunes and a personal LinkedIn recommendation for each host who I, I communicated with. And that LinkedIn recommendation, when that host sees what I wrote about them, how I reflected on the podcast, how I reflected on our conversation, um, it just lights me up. You know, it, it makes them feel good, but it also makes me feel good. And coming from that place of gratitude and appreciation um, is really a way to add value back in a situation where you are trying to get the value, right? So yeah. those have been the four key components, the four key ingredients and takeaways of the entire podcast journey. And it's been amazing. Every conversation has been better than the next. No, that's really neat. And, you know, one of the words I wanted to underscore you mentioned in there is discipline. You know, I think a lot of mm. folks... You know, that, I mean, the fact that you said, yeah, hey, I'm going to do this for, you know, in April and I'm going to do 10 a day. And you kind of went through a whole process. It yes. wasn't just, I'm going to throw stuff against the wall, see what sticks. And yeah, right. maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. So yeah, you know, I, I appreciate you kind of mentioning that because I think that's helpful for a lot of folks, especially that are starting out is, yeah, man, you got to, you got to give yourself a little runway there and, yeah. and give your, and kind of paint the picture of what the, the next few steps look like and then try right. to actually hit those. Right. Um, you know, yeah. It, you're, so, you're so right. Well, it's a whole thing. Like I'm big yeah. on, I, I talk a lot about fitness on here and stuff like that. I know we were yeah. chatting before we started about, you know, mm -hmm. CrossFit and stuff like that. It's like, yep. you, you can't expect results day one. You've got to give right. yourself the, the uh, you know, kind of the steps in front and say, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to actually progress forward and mm. understand you're going to stumble along the way. So, right. And fitness is so applicable here. I'm a personal trainer, by the way, in the mornings from 6am to about 9am. That's my, my side hustle. But, uh, it's so applicable here because if you think about what I did, I didn't like, yeah, I had this big goal of, of getting 90 podcasts in 90 days, but look at what I did on a day-to-day -day basis. I just said, I'm going to reach out to 10 people, right? So if you look at the fitness world, if you want to lose 10 pounds, you don't just set that as your goal. You set the goal of more so I'm going to go to the gym every day for one week straight. And the next week you have a new goal and then you have a new goal, right? And then you hit the overarching goal of losing 10 pounds by setting the micro goals that go into it. 
Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to ask one thing. So you, where, what, what, what changed for you? Because looking, you know, I can look and I know you're not old by any stretch, right. But yeah. lo- looking at your kind of progression, it's like kind of normal, like most of us, right. Probably yeah. grew up, whatever, went to, you went to Northwestern, got your uh-huh. master. And then what changed for you? What's kind of what, tell me about the last few years. What's, what's happened? What <laughs> kind of shift your focus? Yeah. So like you said, I, I've always been a guy who was going through the motions and I, I like to say that I'm an insider who was always looking to stand out, always looking to do something different, but I didn't have the courage to necessarily do that for a long time. And I dipped my toes into that world. Like in college, I was an economics major with all my friends, but I also got a certificate in civic engagement with only, which only like 15 kids at, at all of Northwestern got, right? So I, I tried doing something different and taking a different route, but I never fully committed to it in the way that I wanted to. So when I got my master's degree from Kellogg, that was a year for me to further explore doing something different. And I was listening to a lot of podcasts and doing personal growth reading um, and even a little bit of writing. And I kept hearing the word passion, right? We hear passion, passion, passion. And again, I thought that I was doing a good job of dipping my toes into a new area. So like you see on my profile, probably I went into a restaurant uh, management and leadership program with Hillstone Restaurant Group, where I thought that was going to be a total dive into a new world, something that was different than, than all my peers, but it ended up being a very corporate experience. And looking back, I think I took it for all the wrong reasons of prestige and stability and salary um, and, and perks. Uh, so, you know, in that experience, I kind of had this moment where I was locked out of my office, right? And it was five o'clock in the morning. I had just gone through our meat freezer doing inventory. I was the only person in the whole restaurant. And uh, I kind of just started giggling. And I said, what am I doing here? Like, what impact am I making on the world? How am I living according to who I have always been and who I want to be, right? And there I was on Park Avenue in New York City, taking care of feeding the rich when why I've always been growing up is is somebody who who has an, uh, a desire to feed the poor, right? So with that metaphor, I kind of just said, you know, like this is not where I want to be, and I need to actually start living my life according to what's going to make me the most fulfilled. Uh, so I quit actually that next day, and I wrote my first book, which was a morning routine that was a way for me to share with people how in a stressful restaurant position, working 15-hour days, six days a week, um, how I maintained my positive attitude, how I stayed not stressed or or not anxious or never had any meltdowns or episodes or anything like that. So I wanted to share that with other people. And then I, in everything I do, I immerse myself in that world. So this was a a pretty traditional self-help book. And I wanted to know how to sell a self-help book. I wanted to know how to speak about a self-help book. I wanted to know how to write about more self-help concepts. So that's what I did over the last year and a half. And that has taken me to my new ventures and my new, uh, you know, what I'm doing now. Tell me a little about your upbringing. Because you mentioned, obviously, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to kind of impact the world and and help the poor and those sort of things. What was your upbringing like? where, Where did some of those kind of those morals or good values came from? Yeah, so so two things there, two two quick stories that really show that that was always the person who I was, and and maybe it was innate within me, but I I definitely attribute it to my parents. I attribute it to my grandparents, my brother, my friends, my friends' families. I grew up in a very tight knit 
group of people who were just so about having laughs and, and joy and bonds and things like that. So I'll attribute it to that. But even at the age of seven years old, um, it was, I remember it was September 20th, 2001, nine days after 9-11, I told my parents I wanted to make my first lemonade stand. But the lemonade stand was not for me to put some shiny coins in my, into my pocket. The lemonade stand was actually to donate money to all of the sad kids who I saw in my class whose families were unfortunately affected by the 9-11 tragedy. tragedy. I live in New York, so unfortunately there were, there were people who I knew. Um, so really that, that was the key moment, you know, it was, that's when I realized that everything I do, I have to be adding value to other people. I have to be doing it based off of relationships and building and growing them. And, uh, I have to, to see some sort of value add. Um, and then the other story is I, my, my dad jokes with me sometimes that I lived on Long Island in New York. And when, whenever we'd go to the city, he would tell me that sometimes he would make us, uh, leave early or he would want to leave early. Because every homeless person we passed, I would want to give them money to. And he said that he had no money left in his wallet by the time we left the city all the time. So I just kind of always had this this longing to give back to other people because I realized how fortunate I was from a very early age. So I want to go back to the the book. Um, if yeah. We can. So getting yeah. comfy, right, is the yeah. your first book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually more curious on the confidence of to say, I'm just going to write a book. You know, most people are nervous as can be like, no, I don't have an odd to say, or I don't know how to write, or I don't know how to publish or anything. Can you talk through that and that process of how you went through and wrote it, but, but also published it and got the word out? Yeah, totally. So the writing process was very different for me because I noticed that I was reflecting and coming up with my own ideas based off of the podcast that I was listening to and the books that I was reading at the time. So I looked into this Word doc where I was doing all this and I had like 75 pages of information that was my own analyses, my own evaluation of advice that I was putting into my everyday life. Um, So I read through that and I said, okay, I think I have something here. So what I did was I added some more content. I did some maybe interviews. I put in some personal anecdotes and I came up with the draft for getting comfy. Um, So my writing process was different in that it was more so a reflection on things that I was reading and consuming. Um, Whereas for this book, like my next book, The Journey to Cloud Nine, that was a more intentional, like I was in a state of flow writing for three hours at the end of each day from five to 8 p.m. and just making sure that I did research one day, then uh, one part of the chapter one day, and then one part of the chapter the next day, right? So that was, you know, two totally separate processes. Um, but, you know, both works if you if you just have that consistency and desire to put your message out there, right? And I think you mentioned confidence. And for me, something that a lot of maybe writers or content creators struggle with is maybe imposter syndrome. And it might be also fear of judgment from other people. And there were two things that really allowed me to overcome this. It was uh, one, getting a negative comment and realizing that that negative comment really had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with the other person. And then two, it, it, it was 
Um, the acceptance that I would not be the best in the world at what I was doing. There was always going to be one person at least who was better than me at what I was doing. And, and I don't know, there was just this calming feeling that came over me when I realized that, that said, okay, I can share this with anybody. Um, that was the mindset that I took on. Um, but yeah, like you said, so the first book back to the process I had all this content and, and when I finished it a week after I quit my job, I was pretty naive 23 year old kid, even though now I'm just a pretty naive 24 year old kid. But at that time I said, okay, I wrote a book. I went to Northwestern. I went to Kellogg. I had a big fancy job and I started a couple of companies when I was in college, like a publisher is going to penguin random house is going to put this out immediately. But, uh, I, I pretty quickly realized that that is not the case. You need a platform. You need to be on podcasts, you need to have a social media following, you need to do all of these important things for people to go out there and actually read what you wrote and and have some credibility behind what you wrote. So I self published my first book. And I went through this self publishing school program, where I did it all through Amazon. And I wrote up my description for the book, and I put it out there. And I reached out to people for reviews. And I had this big launch team and this big launch party. And then still, you know, it like, obviously it's, it's not going to become a bestseller that way. So I, I, I did my research and I realized that podcasts were a big thing. Getting talks were a big thing. Writing more and linking back to your book was a big thing. So I tested the waters at each one of these different ideas and I did the social media. And, and again, you know, I just got started. I, like you said, actually, my first go at this was I threw a, a bunch of paint at the wall and I, I watch what splattered. Um, and then when I realized that, you know, there were a couple key ingredients to different platforms, you know, that being LinkedIn, that being medium.com, that being um, going on podcasts, I sort of zeroed in on those strategies so that now I'm going about this again for the second book and I could be more intentional with my strategy and not just be that, you know, chicken with his head cut off. Yeah. And that's actually what I was going to ask leading. Yeah. Like, what did you learn from the first book that, that's mm. helping you? Um, and obviously some of that. So strategy. much. Now, now are <laughs> you, are you going to self publish again or are no. you going to use a publisher this time? So I'm using a publisher for this one. That was one of my goals for the next book was to kind of, you know, climb the ladder and pay my dues and self publish and then maybe do a, a small publishing firm. And then maybe the next book hopefully could be a, like a big penguin random house or Harper Collins type of firm. So I'm sort of following that plan. And I'm with a boutique publishing firm at the moment where we're working through first edits as we speak. And are are you, you said the goal is December launch, is that right? Hopefully? Or? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like I mentioned, I'm pretty symbolic. So December 9th is my dream, my cloud nine date. Um, but we'll see, it might be January 9th. Well, so tell me about Cloud9. I was reading some of the story yeah. about the boat. And yeah. <laughs> tell me a little about Cloud9, how that came to be. Yeah. So it's funny because if you ask me how Getting Comfy came to be, I have that long-winded story about it being this culmination of all these reflections. And there was no, there was no real moment, right? I, I say that the my aha moment was the realization that I didn't need an aha moment to write that book, right? But with Cloud9, there was actually this big light bulb moment that was really crazy. And I was driving in New York City in an Uber. And I was actually being pretty quiet in the back seat, whereas I'm normally a person who wants to have conversation and, and make the Uber driver feel like he or she is 
a human being rather than just an employee. Um, but I was being pretty quiet in the backseat because it was a pretty introspective weekend and a, an acquaintance from high school had passed away and it was a long day um, at a buddy's house having conversations about the person who we used to know. Um, but as we were driving home, I saw a boat in the East River called Cloud Nine. And I said, oh, that's a cool boat name. What, is, what does that mean to you? What does Cloud Nine mean to you? And I said that out loud to my Uber driver. And I'm so glad that I did because the way that he responded was literally the setup for the Cloud Nine book and everything that I'm doing with Cloud Nine because he's telling me about the day he got married, the day he had kids, the day he um, you know, had some big career accomplishment, the day he left his home country, the day he was able to travel back to his home country, um, all these different great life events where I kind of said to myself, wow, there are these moments in our lives, these momentous occasions where we truly feel that sense of ecstasy, that sense, that rush of euphoria. So I started asking more and more people and, and these stories came up, but what also came up was that we can have cloud nine moments throughout our day. We can have things that we look forward to. We can have things that we reflect upon that gives us this rush of joy that allows us to understand that no matter the circumstance, there is always a positive way out. There is always an optimistic route. Um, so that's what the, the cloud nine concept as a whole has come to be. And then there's a book, there's coaching, there's speaking about it. And, um, it's, it's just a way for me to relay positivity and happiness to people on a daily, uh, daily basis. So, so what's your goal with Cloudline? Is it, is, do you want to do more speaking? Do you want to write books? Is it a mixture? Do you want to do coaching? Like what, what's kind of your, um, what do you like the most, I guess, about some of those things? Yeah, I love that question. And for me, um, I'm the kind of person who, when I hear somebody tell me that I'm not doing something or I can't do something that makes me want to do it 10 times more. So, you know, I'll hang up the phone in, in even some podcast conversations I've had in the past and they'll be like, so what do you do for revenue? Obviously you're not selling books. And every time I hear that, I just get more and more driven to sell books. And I really believe that what I did with the journey to cloud nine book is such a unique concept that I really want to get it in the hands of as many people as possible. So I want to use speaking, I want to use podcasts, I want to use writing uh, blog posts and content creation on LinkedIn and interviewing people in order to sell the book ultimately. Because what I do with the book is I take a fictional approach to personal development. And I actually tell sort of like a fable or a parable of a man who lived his life not on cloud nine. And he's in a state in his later years that is sort of isolated and depressed. And I juxtapose that with his cloud nine life, where he's able to relive these nine pivotal experiences where in his real life, he chose based off of society and what other people expected of him versus what he does in his cloud life is choose based off of his own intuition, his own gut, his heart. And he's able to see that these moments of ecstasy and euphoria really come when you make the difficult decision as long as it is based on what is truest within your heart yeah that's really neat what's yeah. that movie with um the family man with nick cage remember when he yeah he, like, i've heard that it's similar to that right yeah remember he that he like had this big job and making a lot of money but he was miserable and then he yeah you know, tay leone i think was in anyways anyways i haven't, I just, 
I haven't seen it, but um, you should check it out. Yeah, it yeah. Okay. I, I heard it's. I heard it's pretty similar in that way, and and really for me, the the only books I've seen that are pretty, you know similar and looking at them right now are like The Alchemist or The Secret or The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari that are pretty clearly trying to tell about life virtues and, and life philosophies, but through fiction so that people can get immersed in the characters and the character development and the plot and the story, but also be given hints at how to live their life along the way. No, yeah. And I like that angle on it. Cause again, yeah, yeah. most, most things, whether it's a self-help or whatever, are you know, kind of more real world type stuff. So I like that, yeah. that angle to it. Um, yeah. I was going to ask randomly, and the only reason yeah. is because I used to Please watch the, I love the, sports re, the sports reporters a lot in ESPN. Why Mitch yeah. Album? Why Why is he such a – you've mentioned that in some of the stuff. I feel like you read a ton of Mitch Album books. Yeah. Why, why him? What, tell me about you know the, the infatuation with Mitch, I guess. Yeah, I, I love Mitch Album, and it's – well, he started his career as a sports writer, but since then, you know, he's written Tuesdays with Maury and The Five People You Meet in Heaven and – magic strings of Frankie Presto and for one more day and have a little faith. And basically he's the writer who I want to be like, right. He's uh, he's maybe not as intentional about making it like a self-help book in a fictional way, but all of his stories that I've read, which are almost they're, they're movie like in a way, like the book that I wrote is, is very movie like um, all of them are, are very feel good and they're very thought provoking and they're very up for interpretation as to, how we should live our lives. And those are the stories that I really wanted to tell. Um, and Mitch Albom, the two books in particular that really drove me to this cloud nine concept and why I'm so appreciative of the work that he's done is because one, the five people you meet in heaven led to the sequel, the next person you meet in heaven. And when I finished that book, I said, and, and after I had the cloud nine conversations with the Uber driver and whoever else I was speaking to at that time, I said, I think that this cloud nine can be a heaven-like interpretation where you go to heaven and you travel from cloud one to cloud two, all the way to cloud nine, ultimately reliving your most happy life experiences. And then when you get on cloud nine, you just get to keep reliving that happy life. Right. But I'm so glad my dad told me like, Hey Jay, you know, don't mean to be morbid here, but your first book is about, you know, personal growth and development here while you're on this earth and trying to improve yourself while you're here on this earth. So what if you made a book that's a little bit more helpful for people as to how they could change their lives now and, and almost create more of a heaven-like experience while they're here on earth rather than, you know, God forbid, wait till heaven for it to happen. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, you do obviously a lot of learning. You read a lot of books, a lot yeah. of podcasts. What, would you recommend one or two podcasts, maybe some things different than most people aren't thinking of? Anything that you listen to that you like or get out of enjoyment, entertainment from? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, maybe it's because I want to do more creative writing, but I actually don't necessarily listen to a lot of personal growth and development podcasts anymore. Right now, I'm listening to a lot of true crime. Because the stories that I'm taking away from there are not so much about life. They're just more about um, they're more about how to create a scene, how to set a story, how to uh, you know use imagery in order to get a reader or a listener totally invested into whatever it is that you're putting out there. And for me, that's what I want. I want the reader, the listener to be totally invested in what I am saying 
So that's why I want to learn how these top true crime podcasts are doing that at the moment. So like for me, my favorites in that world have been, um, I loved S town. I loved, uh, dirty John. I just finished listening to the last episode of man in the window. Um, so that's like a different perspective rather than just giving you some of the, you know, top self-help podcasts that there are right now. Well, I think that's what's neat about podcasts is you can definitely go into a similar world. Like, like, you know, for me where I'm in, I'm in sales, yeah. um, software sales and stuff. And yeah. you know, people ask, Hey Brian, what software sales or sales in general podcasts? I said, I don't listen to any, mm. I can get more, I, I get more learning for sales around doing, you know, listen to business or listen to entrepreneurs and yeah. you know, even talking with folks in a podcast like this, because I think that's a, it's a more of a human nature to, to selling. But so, yeah, I definitely agree with you. That's pretty cool though. The true crime. What, and I'm curious, just for someone that's never listened to one, like, <laughs> what would be the, is it, is it like a episode form? Like, is it like an hour long? What, what, are, what are these, how, how are these structured? Uh, the true crimes? Yeah, I've never listened yeah. to one. I'm just, I'm more curious than anything. Yeah, so, I mean, they're all, they're all different, but the ones that I've listened to basically are about, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and they follow either uncovering like a mystery or an unsolved case or they are revealing something that is so shocking that it's like why isn't it more well known and they do a lot of interviews with people who are involved so that's how they get you hooked it's these stories that people have about their interactions with either like the killer or whoever the bad guy is in the story or bad girl is in the story um so they do a lot of interviews and they do a lot of investigative work and they do a lot of flashback as to actually when these um, crimes were occurring. So I, I think that's how they kind of hook you in is they give you a lot of different angles. But the key is that it's always coming from a storytelling approach. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I might have to yeah. check one out. I'll, I'll report back to everyone. I'll, I'll, I'll try to. I'll take one of your uh, suggestions and yeah, uh, yeah. get out my get out 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 my comfort zone. Yeah, they're yeah. fun and they're they're out like you said they're outside of your comfort zone and and even if you don't want to take away you know what I am with figuring out how to creatively captivate an audience, then it's just a nice release. You know, it's something different where you're invested in you know business podcasts and the sales world all day. It's just something nice to just like you know talk about on the side, like have a friend who you chat with on the side about it too. Yeah, I don't absolutely. think we always need something that's that's related to our end goal. I think actually having one thing that's not helps with the end goal at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, so where, where can everyone find you online? Where, where can they connect with you? Yeah, the easiest – well, the easiest place to connect is just Jordan Gross on LinkedIn. But the the thing that I would love is is to head over to uh, journeytocloud9.com, and that's all spelled out, journeytocloudnine.com. And if you put your email in every Tuesday and Thursday, I send out a 90 second video of somebody explaining their cloud nine moment, that rush of euphoria that they've had that is so memorable um, that they want to share it with the world. Right. So journey to cloud nine.com, you, you can get those moments. And then also there's info on the book. There's info on, you know, everything that I do is on that website, but connecting uh, alone, you could do LinkedIn, and then I'm pretty sure my email's on LinkedIn too. And I respond to pretty much everything. Awesome. So yeah. I would like to kind of give open forum here to to end these uh, podcasts. Yeah. Maybe it's a quote you live by. Maybe it's again one piece of advice that um, either you give or you've learned from someone else. But what would you end um, the interview on? Maybe a lasting impression for everyone that's listening. 
Yeah, so this is actually cool because it's my first time saying this in a new way because I just heard uh, Ed Milet say my favorite quote in a different way that sort of shifted my perspective a little bit. Um, so my, my go-to quote and how I live my life is that somebody once told me the definition of hell. And it's that on your last day on this earth, the person who you became meets the person who you could have become, right? So that was my initial interpretation. But what Ed Milet shifted that to say was that the definition of hell is that those two people, the person who you became and the person who you could have become, are total strangers. But the definition of heaven is that those two people, the person who you became and the person you could have become, are identical. So that you are living your life according to the person who you know that you should and have always wanted to be. So that's how I live my life. It's that when I'm looking back, when I'm, you know, 40, 50, 60 years down the road, I get to look at each experience, each decision that I've made and say, I chose what I know is is truly in line with with who I want to be. That's what I consider a cloud nine life. So that's how I would urge all of you to live as well, especially when you are just getting started with with your journeys. It's about fearing the what if more than the actual what and not being afraid to have regret. That's well said, Jordan. Man, I, yeah. I really appreciate you you jumping on and, and chatting with us here and uh, and sharing some of that that yeah, wisdom that you've learned over the uh, the years. So uh, thank you so much. This is awesome. Thank you so much as well, Brian. I really, really appreciate it. And so grateful you're willing to connect. So hope this was uh, a little bit of a value add for you. And obviously, I hope the listeners take a lot away too. And, and please, please, please reach out to me. I, I do love to chat and connect. Hey, everyone. I hope you got a lot of value out of that episode. And just one more quick thing before you run along on your day. If you haven't been enjoying these interviews and these shows, um, I really appreciate it if you head over to iTunes, give me a rating, leave me a review, let me know how I'm doing. Um, it's the only way I can make this podcast better each and every episode. Um, and connect with me online um, at Brian Andreco or at Just Get Started Podcast on Instagram, or check out my website, BrianAndreco.com. Um, that's where I house the podcast, my blog articles. Um, I even have a now page to update everyone in the last couple months of what's been going on in my life. Um, at worst, it's for my mom, so she can keep tabs on me and make sure I'm okay. Uh, but I've really enjoyed the feedback so far. This has been phenomenal, um, what's been accomplished so far with this podcast and all the great guests I've had, and really excited for the trajectory going forward. And really, the gratitude goes to you guys for listening, for chiming in, for giving me feedback, um, and for keep listening and keep pressing play. Um, obviously, you guys are getting some value out of this. So I'm so grateful for just the opportunity um, to share these messages with you. Um, so I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.